Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. You're very welcome to the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast with Owen McDevitt, Kira Murphy. Hello there, Owen. And Ken Ernie. Hey, Hello, Ken. Owen. How you doing? No, not bad at all. Not bad at all. I mean, after the weekend we've just had, if we take the three... Let's just start with Tipperary, first of all. Okay. Kira, Kenny. If we take the three well-known key areas where all Irelands are usually won and lost. Okay. I don't see how Tip could have done any more. Number one, speed out of the tunnel. Unbelievable. I saw it. A it blue was... and yellow torpedo. It was. Like a shot from a gun. Mm. They raced out of that dress. Like, literally fighting each other. They were fighting each other to get out To there. get out of the pit. To get out of the pitch. As Kilkenny ambled out and still managed to almost win an All-Ireland. I know. I mean, it, it was positively sedate. Back I'm, I was thinking of the Scotland Grand Slam game in 1990. That's what Kilkenny did in comparison to Tipperary. You know, the slow march. Simon, yeah. who, what was the name of the Scottish captain? Finley Calder. Calder. Finley Calder in 1990. That was the Didn't one, Didn't even yeah. need Simon for that one. Um, Murphy, if it's early 90s Scottish rugby players David Soul I mean if you want I've got yeah, a lot you're, of Jim Telford you're my boy are you yeah. Uh, so yeah I mean I think that's basically what we're talking about in comparison to the the Davy like 32 Davy Fitzgeralds number two key area where all Irelands are usually won and lost taking your scoring chances yeah I mean, they only missed, was it three in the entire game? Well, three wides. They didn't miss a couple of penalties, I suppose. Yeah, out of, well, there were a few of those points that could have been goals, but yeah, I mean, three wides is pretty decent. Number three, the vigour of your fist pumps. Mm. And there is one man in particular I know caught your eye in a minute. Like, basically, when the the fat truly was in the fire, mm. Paddy Maher, uh, well, he basically got ran into by Brian Hogan. Uh, the free could have gone either way. This is in the, obviously in the very last minute. Um, free goes to Tipperary Paulie Maher does one overarm fist bump mm-hmm. regulation and then three more underarm yep. so one overarm three underarm fist pumps <laughs> in extremely quick succession uh, to be honest the camera panned away so it could have been more I wouldn't surprise me at all if there, if it was six maybe even seven and yet still I couldn't quite win the whole thing I watched the last ten minutes again this morning it's funny you remember the biggest players particularly Richie Hogan and, and Seamus Callan getting a lot of the credit John O'Dwyer did really well in those last few minutes but just watching those last few minutes again this morning 
it's funny the players that stand out. Paddy Stapleton, I'd sort of forgotten about his contribution. He probably should have been sent off for putting Richie Parrott's face mask there in the first that. place. But he stayed on, popped up from corner back to knock a lovely point over the bar, made a huge catch then a couple of minutes later over the heads of a number of giant Kilkenny forwards, and then dispossessed Henry Shefflin. If you remember Shefflin's only touch, he dispossessed a tip player, actually, and then in, and would have probably scored a point. He was mm. only about 50 yards from goal, and in comes Stapleton to just whip it away and up the field. He, he wasn't necessarily the standout player in the entire team, but... If you're going to make a few contributions like that in the last 10 minutes, you'd be happy enough with your Yeah, and it was just the sort of game where I would say that everyone that had play, that, that played any part nearly did something amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, anyone who played for more than 10 minutes had one or two transcendent moments in that game. Uh, yeah, pretty ridiculous all around. The drama was only part of an amazing weekend of sport. Only he could do that. There's no one else in, on that field that, that would have been able to do that. McGeady turns smartly, McGeady! That is a magnificent goal, and a goal worthy of winning a match. I'll take back everything I said about Aidan McGeady. Magnificent skill, magnificent control, and a magnificent finish. That's won the game for Ireland. And the new IBF Super Bantamweight Champion of the World, Carl the Jackal! A truly massive night, and now the celebrations can begin. He must be 80 yards old. I'm looking at the flags, Matthew. There isn't a puff of wind here, so there's no wind to help him. Here's it's John a Dwyer. huge strike. Inside his own half of the field. He has it. Has he? Oh. No, he hasn't. The ball is wide. Oh, and John bubbles on the wire. Has that? The umpire's calling again for Hawkeye. The same umpire is the third time today. Yeah, what a weekend and superb commentary there. George Hamilton and Aidan McGeady's goal. Marty Marcy and Donal O'Gue calling John O'Dwyer's late free for tip, which went wide in the end. You heard Carl Frampton announced as the latest Irish world champion and a little bit of a needless replaying of Robbie Keane's Ice Bucket Challenge. But any time we can get all, that in there, Robbie, the Robbie Keane, oh, we're happy enough to <laughs> sneak it in. We're going to talk you about... You know, I find myself walking down the street singing that Robbie, that Robbie Keane... hasn't left my head. It's the, one of the great earworms of my entire life. We're going to talk about a lot of that in today's show. Andy Lee was in Belfast to see Frampton beat Kiko Martinez. He'll be in studio in a little while. Morris O'Brien and Malachy Clerken were a croaker, so they'll be here. And I'm going to ask you right now, Ken, mm-hmm. about Aidan, Aidan McGeady. <laughs> Yeah, um, unbelievable goal. He signalled his talent in training a number of years ago, Kenny. Finally, <laughs> 60 caps later, he delivers for you. Pay 70 off. caps. <laughs> Pay off for Ken at long last. He uh, does that all the time in training, Ken. Look, it was brilliant. I mean, um, what, can you, what can you say? I mean, I was so delighted for McKee because he never really had a moment in all of his <laughs> his decade of playing for Ireland. He's never yet had a moment like that where he's really done something big in a, in a really important game. Um, I mean, he scored a goal against Macedonia three and a half years ago, which ended up being important for the result. But, you know, even then it was a bit of a, a scuffer. Mm. Um, so, I mean, the, the first goal, I mean, it kind of gets a bit overlooked as well. I mean, that was fantastic stuff. You know, for him, the, the run, the awareness of where the space was, the finish, both goals scored with his left foot as well. Um, and I think on the night we were really lucky that uh, he had turned up at least in form because oh you were pretty unimpressed 
Well, it wasn't very good, was it? I mean, it wasn't wasn't really a great performance. I mean, again, it doesn't matter. It's always the same thing. You know, you win a qualifier, you win a qualifier away from home. It's always a good result. Um, And nobody will remember anything about this game next week, apart from Aidan McGeady's two goals and maybe the Georgia goal, which itself was was pretty good. Um, So that is the main thing. I mean, at least they've, you know, given given themselves the chance... They, you know, we're, we're all hoping they play better here. They're going to have to we play better. We haven't torpedoed our chances in this group yet. Yeah, because I, I mean, watching it after after ten or fifteen minutes, I was thinking Georgia really not not a strong team. You know, this is if we don't, we really need to win this match because Scotland and 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 um, Poland Poland are going to win. They're going to beat Georgia. I mean, the odds are there's always a chance something might go wrong for them, but. You've got to assume they're going to win this match. So if we don't, I mean, it was looking in the last minute, we're only going to get a draw here. This is terrible. Um, and then McGeady kind of uh, saved all that. But yeah, I mean, I, d- I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was great overall. Yeah, and we all sat down and to, or a lot of us might have sat down to watch Scotland. Had heard some rumblings of positivity about how they were mm. going to go about this, but just assumed they'd be swatted aside, and they were ultimately beaten, but showed enough to really um, probably staked their claim to being favourites for second place in the group, just based on that one performance. Well, they played better than we certainly managed to play against Germany in any of our recent games against them. I mean, ultimately the results, which is probably a good thing for Ireland, uh, went against Scotland. Yeah, you really have to remind yourself while you're watching that much as you would love to be shouting for the jocks, yeah, it's actually a really, really bad result for us if they the, get a draw. Is the jocks offensive? Uh, offensive terms is a bit of well, a... There's a bit of a... Um, I'm not offended by it, personally. <laughs> Steve Staunton, we know, certainly isn't offended by it. Yeah. Well, Scott, I mean, l- l- played listen, with a lot of Scottish people. I mean, I, I, let's, let's not Alan, Alan Hansen, of course, was a teammate of Steve Staunton at Liverpool. Jockey. Steve, Stevie Nickel. Jockey Hansen. Um, but I see that, at the moment, the Jockey Horror Show is a sun headline, which is causing uh, offence in some quarters uh, north of the border. Well, they're there. doing a lot of thinking about their identity at the moment. The, the Scots, we'll call them the Scots, yes. to, to be fair about it. Scotch. So, yeah, maybe the, the, if any Scottish listeners, let us know what you're thinking about, whether you are British, Scottish, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, is jocks an offensive term or not? Because we will promise to stop using it if you're offended by it. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, We always listen to our Scottish listeners. So so I would say, I mean, it's 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 amazing. I, I, I don't even know how it feeds into the whole independence thing. I mean, if Scotland had actually won that game, they would have sort of sent it over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's really interesting what's happening there at the moment. Um, that, you know, only a couple of weeks ago, I mean, it looked as though the no side in the independence referendum was going to win really easily. And suddenly it's kind of, they're in complete meltdown now. And the Queen is supposedly, oh no, my country's going to break up. It'd be so about embarrassing for David Cameron as well. And um, we'll probably talk a little bit about this calling game. Aidan McGeady didn't do quite enough to dislodge the FAI's CEO, John Delaney, as Mr. Football this weekend. Excuse me, John the Baptist, to give him John the Baptist, please, Or the yeah. governor, whichever one of the nicknames the Sunday Independent bestowed upon the, the main man in Irish football. We'll come back to him later for a very special brand new movie review slot on this programme. Our Monday regulars, Maliki Clerken and Morris O'Brien are here. Lads, thanks for calling in. No worries. Plenty to talk about here. Brian Cody, first of all, straight after the game, was asked... <laughs> <laughs> everyone's already laughed. Was asked how he felt. This is... This is just super, Cody. I have no real phenomenal feelings. Obviously, you want to win, and we neither won nor lost. So I am just as I am. Yeah. <laughs> Malachi, that should be on a t-shirt. That should be on a t-shirt. Were you just Man. as you were straight after the final whistle? I must say, I didn't make it down to to Brian's press conference. I was doing the online report for the paper, and um, so I was just caught up for those ten minutes after the game. 
but when I got down, everybody was just kind of sniggering and said, I, I said, well, I had Cody anything to say. And they were going, he had the most Cody-ish thing you'll ever hear in your <laughs> life to say. <laughs> and he said, I have no real phenomenal feeling. And so we were, we, we then spent, well, because we spent a long time then waiting for the Kilkenny players to come out and then not talk to us, but that's a different, different argument. Um, did they, did they didn't talk? No, they were told not to. Really? Yeah. Like, no Kilkenny player at all? No. Yeah, I'm surprised about that. And I, I understand the idea of uh, Cody already focusing on the next game, so yeah. you, you you won't see them doing interviews all week or anything, but I would have thought straight after the game. You would, well, we would have thought that too, and had we known we wouldn't have waited three quarters of an hour uh, <laughs> up against deadline. Anyway, they, yeah, no, they came out, and like, there's always two or three of them that will always, Brian Hogan will always kind of stand and talk, Paul Murphy will always kind of stand and talk, but they all just kind of said, no, lads, we're not allowed, so. That was the way it was. Yeah, I'm sure um, there's probably more to that. No, I, I did bring this up, Maliki, but I'm sure people want to hear about the hurling itself. Yes. How are you feeling immediately after the final whistle, Mars? Immediately after the final whistle, I kind of sat in my seat and I was there with my brother-in-law and we both like just sat down in awe for 10 minutes and left the crowd file out and it was just an amazing like feeling to be there and witness what happened. Hawkeye Specsavers got the best yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the best advertisement you could ever hope for with the whole country glued glued to it for the last point you know and look it was just look, as a hurling person as a neutral to sit there through 70 minutes of that and to sit down at the end of it and just kind of what happened you know like what a game like it we were chatting like was it the best ever you know have you ever seen anything like it I, I certainly have never been in Croke Park and I've, I've never seen a game as good as it like it was amazing best ever match best ever hurling match you've seen or best ever All-Ireland final I think the best ever hurling match I've seen right. you know it had everything like it had all the top players all the guys we talked about coming into the game would they perform Would and every one of them performed outdid the next it was just phenomenal performances all over the field and you could say like forwards were on top, which were some outstanding performances from defenders as well. Like, which is amazing to think. Yeah, I, I think the that's a really interesting point the, about Richie Hogan, I suppose, and Shimmy Callan in particular. And your piece on the front page of the, mm. the Times today was that that was basically what it was about. The whole game seen through those two pairs of eyes, I suppose. And it's it's interesting when you think about their career arc because they both came on as you know starlets. Yeah, you know, like they were. These, these were going to destined to be the next big things, and it kind of didn't really happen to the extent in the way that we thought it would happen. You know, yeah. they come in, come in as nineteen-year-olds or twenty-year-olds, and it's just a smooth progression to the top. You know, at various stages, you know, they have kind of been. Uh, you know, Callan certainly has 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 started lots of games on the bench for Tipperary, Absolutely. and and it's only now they're they're twenty, 20 both twenty-six or Callan's twenty-six mm-hmm. next week uh, that you can really say. This is it. This is their breakout year. Maybe four or five years later than than you thought. Yeah, I. In fairness to Richie, maybe, yeah, maybe a little unfair, Richie. Yeah, a wee there, bit, but. but but the thing with with Richie Hogan as well as with Richie Power is, you can't really be the man in the Kilkenny forward line when the man is still there. And Shefflin was there all the way through those years when, you know. All of Kilkenny is yearning for the next one to come through because they know that Henry can't go on forever. Um, Richie Power and Richie Hogan were those two, the, you know, the, the two guys that, that people were kind of hoping would do it. But you can't do it while he's still there. And this is the first year where he hasn't been really around, yeah. you know, for the whole of the championship. Uh, Richie Power definitely, or Richie Hogan, sorry, definitely sort of was coming into his own last year. But this year he's just been phenomenal. Like from 
from the start of the year, uh, when when like if we think back to two months ago, Kilkenny were not going well. You know, they were. Cody was switching his team around, switching his defence around. Jackie Turrell was being tried at centre half back for the first time in his career. You know, they weren't sure of what was what was good and what was going to work. Richie Hogan worked then, and like he, I thought he was just incredible yesterday. So the for for the smallest man on the pitch to catch four puckouts yeah. is insane. For him to be in that fifteen minute spell right in the meat of the second half score four points and set up Brian Hogan for the other one was incredible. I thought he was brilliant. And Shamey was I think Shamey answered an awful lot of questions yesterday, you know, that that he you know, the one sort of asterisk that goes along with every sort of assessment of Shamey Callanan is can he do it when it matters? Well he scored three points in that second half yesterday that were not simple, that required guts to get out in front of J.J. Delaney and score points that at a time when you absolutely could not miss. That asterisk was very much there in any of the pre-match previews beside Callanan's name, absolutely. but it wasn't there beside Richie Hogan's name. And I, I often worry when I see a player described as hurler of the year elect mm. before an All-Ireland final, you're just waiting for this guy to come crashing down. Which, And as you say, it, it didn't happen for but both for Callanan and for Richie Power. They... They both advanced their claims if that was possible. Yeah, no, they definitely did. And you probably looked at Richie and they were both, in the first half, they were both a little bit more subdued than mm. they had been all year, you know. But when it really mattered, both of them stood up in the second half. And, like, moving on from Malachy's point there is that Richie Hogan's been doing it at midfield all year. Mm. And when the need was mm. most, when Parik Mara was really beginning to exert himself on the game at centre-back, centre and you're like, Cody's like, what, what'll I do, like, put Richie Hogan in on him like, and to do it in centre forward is a very specialised position to play you know for, for him to come in there and do it and perform the way he did in the second half and drag his team to almost over the finishing line you know it was phenomenal performance he, he enjoyed it even more there he's like I don't have to track back quite as much <laughs> yeah. as I did in midfield yeah like. yeah I suppose. just get me the ball <laughs> he had yeah. the freedom and I suppose look Park Mar is a, is a centre back that doesn't really mark he's, he plays like he sits there uh, on the 45 and lords it like you know and next thing there's a real serious a different question being asked of him now I'm on Richie Hogan like to have to step up on him and eventually he had, he had to make the move and put Michael Cahill back on him like but phenomenal performance the stats a lot of people are talking about the scores obviously and the, the lack of wides from either team I think Murphy you were going to bring one to our attention there there was no wide after yeah well I brought you the, my, I was going to bring it to everyone's attention because Malachy had it in the paper but it's no <laughs> wide from the 44th minute to the very last puck of the game which is you know you kind of think right in shootouts like this it's, it, they start off in a whirlwind and, yeah, this is amazing. This is absolutely brilliant stuff. And then as the game gets towards the finish, people start tightening up, wides start coming, and even the wides are dramatic. You know, yeah. that's, what usually, that's what usually what happens. But when the game had to be won, you know, everyone was hitting points. You know, Jason Ford comes on and, like, that, they hit that point... Yeah. You know, like, it was his one only of the touch of the game. His only touch of the game. Like <laughs> there, is, there are like these heroic stories all over the all over the place. You know, There's I I was checking this morning. Um, this day last year, uh, we were after the greatest All Ireland hurling final since <laughs> yeah. since, since we, we could all remember. Um, there was forty one scores in the drawn All Ireland last year. There was fifty four yesterday. Yeah. yeah, there was forty in the replay that we all go on about and yeah. there was 54 yesterday how many missed goal chances was there yesterday on exactly. top of that on like, top of that know, I think six goal, or seven yeah goal mode action between like, the two best. sides yeah. yeah if we if we take the idea that 
I don't know what, what the stat was for ball in play, like how, how many minutes of the. But isn't it usually around sort of, is it around fifty of of seventy or it's something lower, like that? Maybe a bit less. Near it. I think we we lower. did a thing with Dublin before. I think twenty one minutes the previous game we'd play in the ball was in play for twenty when twenty one minutes something. So you go fifty four scores. It's amazing, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny with those stats. It seems like teams sometimes have separate stats from what we see on yeah, TV yeah. or what what the media come up with. But the, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Another one was that the. The hooks, blocks, tackles count on Sky was 32 30 to Kilkenny, which also sounds high. So it wasn't, it was a shootout in one yeah. sense, but it wasn't well, one of these just, ones where you suddenly see a match where there's no intent. Oh, of course, there's going to be intent. Well, exactly. It's just, it's actually, as, as, as Morris was saying, you know, we, we could say that, you know, defences looked like they were getting torn apart. But if you take the performance, has Paul Murphy ever played better? Has Cahill Barrett ever played better? Has Paddy Stapleton ever played better? Like, I. And and in sort of personal battles all over the pitch, you could see guys coming out even like. But the battle between Paul Murphy and Bonner Maher, you you give them both kind of nine out of ten. Yeah. Like and 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 they played on each other. Yeah. Like. I mean, if you get nine out of ten, you've obviously beaten your direct opponent. Up well, the Maher, like, well, Bonner, Bonner was was the greatest goal threat Tipperary had. Playing on Paul Murphy, catching ball over his head, and still Paul Murphy had a fantastic game. Like that. That's. Pretty extraordinary, aren't they? Two probably the two physically they match up against each other so well. Like, two you army know, lads, two army lads. <laughs> they're probably there, thereabouts, the same height, same physique, like same temperament. Like, and to see them going, <laughs> yeah. see them going at it was just amazing. Kind of being, like, would watch a wood on wood. We have those two. Yeah. You know, you'd get sixty thousand into Croker probably next would, Saturday for like, that. Amazing stuff. You mentioned Hawkeye near the start. There should the GA be applauded for this because they there, there were some misgivings that it was going to be too expensive, that it may or may not work, and that it's a bit unfair to install it in Croke Park when it's definitely going to be too expensive to install all around the country. It stood up on All Ireland Final Day right at the death. It stood up on All Ireland Final Day when, when it really mattered. Look, nobody wants to dispute on All Ireland Final Day. You don't want to win in All Ireland or you don't want to lose in All Ireland on a on, a, on an error, you know. And look, Hawkeye was needed three times yesterday. I, I was actually behind that goal where it happened. I think it should only be used for the last one. Because <laughs> they were pretty straightforward. <laughs> they, were, the they were pretty straightforward, I thought, the other two now, you know. But when it was really required at the most important stage of the whole championship, it, it stood up to scrutiny now. I don't know if nobody wants to win in All-Ireland on it. I know I met a few tip people last night who <laughs> said without, enough, without yeah. Hawkeye, yeah, we, would, look, we would be yeah. All-Ireland champions. Yeah, that's fair enough. But you want to win it on your merits, yeah. like, you know. Yeah, and I think... Um, I I I I do actually agree though that you know if they use it three times if the umpire has a problem it's so quick I mean yeah. it's really really yeah. quick and like it's it was I think there must have been a decision made by Barry Kelly and his team of officials right if there's Anison here let's use it because yeah. we went entire games without anyone using the Hawkeye and we know that there's confusion in every single game yeah. so if it's there use it mm. and you have to say like. You know, well, in fairness, that umpire used it on his first call of the day and on the last call of the day. Yeah, yeah. So he he was obviously primed for it. Yeah. Well, maybe, you know, I mean, if there, there are only so many ways you can get on television. <laughs> this is true. You have struck on a theme there, though. How re- referees seem to treat matches differently later on in the tournament, I and mean, we certainly we see this with the face guard rule, which was poor old Podge Collins was, I think, the only player hurt, hurt with this one, and his seemed like less dangerous. Execution of it. Have seen it. Yeah. Some of the other ones, but he gave a free though. Uh, he, he gave a gave free, free for for Jocelyn. He just can't have seen the, the so, face. Yeah, so the two two players involved here, if I remember Paddy correctly, Paddy Stapleton, and Richie Orch- Power, or Richie Power, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Richie Power is very much maybe in in in, in, in a 
the hurling traditionist mightn't like Richie Power's reaction because he was trying to get the player sent off. He was pointing at his face mask and saying it was pulled down. You just think it might be as simple as that the ref didn't see it? It's the only thing it's I can to think be an automatic of red uh, because I, I, I don't see why he, if, if he saw it happen. Do you take my point though? It seems like referees in particular as competitions go on are ah, yeah. really reluctant. And this yeah. probably isn't just related to hurling in fairness. Really reluctant to send lads want, off. A referee doesn't want to be making a decision there and sending a guy off uh, essentially deciding an All-Ireland final You know, with, with what was probably 15 minutes to go at that stage. Um, I I'd commend Barry Kelly in his performance yesterday. I thought it was he let the game flow. Like he he added to that game more than you just took away from it. Did I, you? Because any fans aren't overly happy with some know, of the decisions. Like, and I I'm looking at it as a completely neutral thing. I thought Barry Kelly had a very good game yesterday. You know, like and and look, he's got look, plenty of people have criticised him over the years. You know, and to be fair to him yesterday, like for the two, I know they highlighted in the Sunday game yesterday that they both thought that they. Um, two penalty decisions were outside the box but look he went in he consulted with his umpires what more can a guy do you know I thought he had a fantastic game and on that if you start fouling a guy outside the box does that mean the foul started outside the box so it's automatically not a, not a penalty like you're continue, still fouling him when he's in the box they, yeah. still, they still continue to pull him while they were yeah. both in the box we got a so. lot of texts in from Kilkenny people yesterday to the show giving out about it about I the must say I think it is pretty low rent stuff out of Kilkenny people to be going. They went after Barry Kelly before the game with Eddie O'Connor yakking on last week about uh, how the, 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 he, he kind of owed them one after sending Shefflin off last year. They went, as soon as the first uh, the first foul on Owen Larkin, or what they perceived was the first foul on Owen Larkin, fair enough, it was a 50-50 uh, Kelly decided it was a dive from Larkin. He was obviously putting down a marker early in the game. It was 50-50. It could go either way. They booed him relentlessly. And then for Eddie Brennan on the Sunday game last night to be going on about counting uh, the games that Kilkenny have played under Barry Kelly and, you know, we didn't get these results, I thought it was very low rent for a guy who was a really good referee who I thought refereed the game very well. Jamie T had tweeted in to say the fact that, what about the fact that if Tip had been awarded freeze instead of penalties they'd have won the game yeah. is something that we discussed in <laughs> yeah. like, there's not much to say about that but <laughs> it's, it's probably true would you have t- taken the uh, taken a score with either of those penalties um, the second one no because they needed they needed, they needed a goal well then. you would think that they needed a goal they got yeah. it back in points but no right decision to go first one it. first half first half at the time I was sitting down there and we were actually discussing it and, and people around me were saying take a point and I, and I would be adamant that there's only so many goal chances you're going to get in an All-Ireland final you have to have a goal yeah. you know if you're sitting there you lose the All-Ireland final by one point and you took a point from a penalty it, it would be clawing at you for the rest of your what life I didn't like, quite get though is like we know now and we knew before yesterday that these things are stacked against the attacking team mm. I didn't see a lot of tip forwards chasing in no Especially yeah. for the second one. Yeah. Or for rebounds. For rebounds. Yeah. Especially yeah. for the second one. Without a doubt. They were no. kind of standing there, standing on uh, outside the D and yeah. having, a, having a jog in. Like, surely that's that's almost the, the best way to get a goal now is to is to be the guy on who gets the, the rebound. The rebound. Ball, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, mm. it's true. And, I mean, I think as well that when you're taking penalties now and if it is stacked against you, you would think, and bo- both Tipperary uh, shots were very low. You know, if, if, you're, if, you're, if it's stacked against you... It, I would aim for the crossbar and say, right, if it goes to the roof of the net, fine. And if it doesn't, they're probably deflecting it over the bar. Pay the percentages, you might get a point out of it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I would say that that would probably look, seems to me to be the more... 
the, the, the better yeah. suggestion? There's a school of thought there as well that the hardest ball for a, a goalkeeper to save is the ball that hits the ground just before. You know, that's the way Shamie Callan approached mm. it, but he just hit the ground a bit too early. Too early, you know, yeah. that, well, that was the other thing. I mean, we, we can talk all we like about the rule change. Neither penalty was well no, hit. They yeah. were very, like, yeah. And John O'Dwyer's as well was, was really in the spot where the goalkeeper would yeah. love to He didn't really have to move as early. He didn't have to move as early. You know, he just... Well, it was the easier option for him to say. Is there a double-edged sword here, though? We talk about the giving away penalties and the lack of advantage there is now to the to the striker of the ball, given how far back they have to take it from. Allied to that, there's no black card rule. There's no professional sure, foul rule. No cynicism in Hurling. No. I know. Sure, this is it. No <laughs> tactics either. I didn't see yeah. any tactics out there yesterday. But I must say, I, I, I was there yesterday. Going, Sean Cavanagh must be sitting at home. Going, <laughs> you go, what? <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm watching. I am the evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an exceptional yeah. point. I want Chuck having it. Let's get him on the phone. Are yeah. you trying to say Hurley needs a Joe Raleigh in the studio? Yeah. <laughs> I just think, like, between those two fouls, like, blatantly pulling down the guy going through and the one that Gavin O'Mahony did in the, uh, yeah. in the semi-final, like... Sean Gavinus wasn't even as blatant as yeah. that almost. He's not carrying a weapon either. I know, exactly. Yeah. But players are encouraged to do that now. I, uh, this is the, the double-edged sword. Being They're, encouraged by the rule. Being encouraged book. by the rule. Mm. Yeah. Being encouraged by their player, by their peers. If, if it's a guy bearing down on your on your goal and, and I'm looking in as you as a, as a corner, as a wing-back looking in at my cornerback, I expect him to pull him down. Mm. Like there, There's no two ways about it. I, that's what is expected of Does you. Does it need to be changed? Because I know, uh, I find this when you're covering hurling more so than Gaelic football any suggestion of a rule change or a new rule or anything like that really doesn't oh, no. go down particularly oh, no, no. <laughs> so I mean the, should a black it card it was good enough for Ringy on. I mean the, I don't know if the black card has been a roaring success anyway so maybe that's not the, no. the way but is it, it, I, I, I wouldn't like to see the black card Did you, I didn't need to amend the penalty that the advantage is back with the attackers right, okay. again. Just amend the that the law of averages you're scoring probably seventy five. What's your theory on that? By the way, we've been talking about this, but yeah, uh, like I've heard Anthony Nash's uh, thing there yesterday with you guys, and he, he's very much still in favour of keeping the tree in the line. It keeps the old tradition, keeps the suspense, and move it in. Yeah, but you should move it in a little bit. I, and, and you know, it's a thing I never. I never thought of it. I thought it was always going to go to the one-on-one thing. Like, but it is it is a great thing in hurling to tree on the line, and you know if it's saved, a scramble, and look, it's, it's it's a part of the game. And it's fantastic. Yeah, and there's a new line on the on the pitch anyway for the for the Gaelic football yeah. penalty. So I mean, it's not like it's a major. It's you know it's, it's a case of just moving that line into. I think Anthony's suggestion was 18 yards, 17 yeah. yards, and, and take it from there. Yeah, that's, that's a it's a very good it's a very good suggestion. I think. Henry Shefflin was brought on eventually yesterday. He, I mean, you guys were at the game. We were having to watch it on TV. He was picked up by the camera. Had a look at it again last night. Just bef- 62 and a half minutes just before yeah, then. Yeah, he, he did warm up for about six minutes and then went and sat down. Yeah, and was the, then, but even from the point he was standing up, looking like he was ready yeah. to go, it was actually another you know, 60, it was almost 66 minutes mm-hmm. when he actually came on. Any idea why? Well, we don't know why he wasn't, but it, does it seem strange to either of you that he was warming up, he sat back down, he stood up again, he eventually came on, rather than just being thrown in with 10 minutes to go? Yeah, and the more strange part of it was that Aidan Fogarty came on and I think it was the 48th or 49th minute, you know, so he, he was on for a good period of time. You would imagine that what that would have been shuffling on at that stage. And the one thing about Cody is, you look at their semi-final and Aidan Fogarty didn't come on the semi-final and Walter Walsh didn't come on in the semi-final. Cody parachutes Walter Wall straight into the starting 15 and Aidan Fogarty is his first sub on like, that'll just show the confidence he has in his panel of players that he has guys specific guys for for like even if you're out of favour for a semi-final there's, there's nothing to say you won't start in a final which is a brilliant thing to have in a panel of players Shefflin specifically though people just 
if you're going to use him at all, would it not be? Is it? I'd say unfair. I mean, he's just another player, supposedly. But is it um, counterproductive to not give him enough chance to make an yeah. impact? A hundred percent. I think Shefflin should have been under fifty eight minutes yesterday. Yeah. You know, I think it was a game that was, you know, it, it, it was tailor made for him. You know, that look scores like there was scores of plenty, and who's better at getting them scores than Henry Shefflin? I wonder. Um, I just wonder at what his, his the state of his body is, because um, like he wasn't used for an awful long time against Limerick. No. Like he, he he and he was, his influence on the game was minimal enough. He had a couple of blocks and hooks, uh, a couple of sort of sideways flick passes, but didn't do an awful lot. I, I just wonder is like, and he has been talking all summer about you know that that he's thinking in terms of months now when when it comes to his career. I yeah. I just wonder is maybe maybe just they don't think that that he's physically. Up to it. I don't know. None of yeah. us know, obviously. Still, but I just wonder. Twenty minutes isn't isn't a long time. You know, you can you can 20 get minutes twenty minutes. Okay, but twenty minutes in a game where, you know, there's a score every forty seconds, yeah. and nobody can you, you you can't you have to get to the pitch of it right away. I, look, it's Henry Shefflin we're talking about. Yeah. I don't doubt that he that he could have done it. I'm just, I'm just kind of searching for reasons as to why he only came on and was able to be involved in one play where he yeah. shouldered Mickey Cattle. That was that was it. But I mean, we, well, like we were speaking to Martin Comerford and Michael Cavanagh yesterday, and they both said I'd expect Henry Shefflin to start. Now, really? now they're two guys that obviously know uh, Henry Shefflin a little bit better than any of us. But I mean, I can't see. You know, it, it, it was so obvious. Like as you say, 49th minute, 50th minute, a Kilkenny forward substitute. There's no reason not to bring on Shefflin there unless there's an issue or unless there's just a doubt there. That Co- like, I, and it appears to me that Cody just doesn't has lost faith in him. I mean, I I I can't make any other assumption from that other than you know if if we saw five minutes Henry Shefflin yesterday, there's no guarantee we'll see him at all in the replay. And w- it, well, when he when he did come on, I think were were they t- two points up at that three stage? Up, were, they were they three up, up yeah. at that stage? So it it does it could be the kind of a well, sentimental. You know, yeah, yeah, it is the yeah. it is the let him be on the pitch for for his last All Ireland or something like that. I, I, look, may, none of us know. Of Cody was got, thinking. thinking yeah, he did it. Did it for John Power. Were they not further ahead? No. Well, they were. For, they were. They were definitely ahead. It just seems that with yeah. only three points in it, I, I don't know. But yeah. just to move away from Shefflin. And I want to ask you generally about the standard of hurling that we've seen, because well, not that we were joking about it, but even half jokes aside, the the fact that this is the greatest hurling final ever, maybe in last year we were talking in similar terms. Twenty ten was good, you know. Twenty two thousand nine was good. Have you got any theory as to what has brought the game on in the last few years to the point that we're getting these all time classics? I think um, one one of the things is the we'd say the cynicism still is there, but. We're not seeing. You saw it like there was very few freeze scores yesterday, so defenders aren't doing as much fouling as what they as what they were because the punishment is too severe. From any you could saw it like the last free yesterday was was back on their own forty five. So it's completely counterproductive to to foul anybody at the at the moment because frees are being scored from every angle. You know, so it's a case of if you can score on the run, fair enough. We 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 we'll, we'll try and shut it down, but we won't foul. So I think it's. It's, it's almost a thing now as a defender like you you kind of set out to say don't give away any free unless it's close to goal unless it's in penalty, in unless penalty, it's area. penalty area you know so that's given the forward the little advantage that yeah I, he, I, he will tackle me hard but I will I will get a shot off you know which which helps and it's improving the scoring rates but I think like you know the year this year and in, in general wasn't fantastic as as last year was all true we we needed a good final you know we had 
two absolutely terrible quarterfinals. Yeah. Okay. We had one good semi-final, which was good in a completely different way to yesterday. You yeah. know, it, it was just really a war of attrition, dogfight. Like, hurling, like, you know, we'd a couple of great football semi-finals in the last few weeks. Hurling needed a big game uh, and it delivered yesterday. Yeah, it's, it's weird because even in a more general sense, that's actually a, re- uh, a really good suggestion as to why the finals have been good recently. But I mean, you look at sport generally, like how many good Champions League finals have there been? You know, very few. Yeah. World Cup finals, it's a running joke now that, it, you know, <laughs> yeah, with the yeah, World yeah, Cup yeah, finals. You're supposed to tighten up on the big Yeah, just finals generally are, they're not as good as, yeah. as other games. You know, that's just the way it is. You know, FA Cup finals, you know, like the last good FA Cup final was the Liverpool West Ham one, was it? I mean, it's, it's, it's strange that instead of the, that, the, the final having that impact on players that you see in all sports, mm. It, yeah. we've been we've been treated to I wonder is it as well you know just a general a general sort of symptom of the time that these people are putting into the game now you know we talk about you know how much of their lives it consumes and all that like if, the the little bitty skills of the game yesterday like there was there was an amount of back of the hand catches yeah bending over to catch balls with your wrong hand that had been fired at you from 40 yards away, catch it, get up on their own, and catch it out of the back of your hand. That's an amazing skill. Like, you know, like people who watch cricket, would that would blow their yeah. minds that somebody can do that with one hand. It's the and day the people were doing it on the run. And, yeah. like, I just, I, I wonder, is it a function of the fact that, that these guys put so much of their lives into, into being good at this, spend so much time at the ball alley doing all the little bits and pieces. Like you said, each county now has at least one free taker that you set your watch by yeah. that scores 10, 11 frees a game if those fouls are given yeah. away. It's like the Dave Brailsford thing. You know, it's like a tiny little increases in, uh, you know, 1% marginal everywhere, yeah. marginal gains yeah. all yeah. the time. And that leads up to like huge improvements. And, you know, you do kind of have to just say that the quality of play, you just have to applaud it. Or in all Ireland finals, and these are and these years. are the best players. Like that, that's the thing. You know, we go on about hurling an awful lot because the best teams play each other on the television. You know, the best football teams don't all play each other on the television, and when they do, we get the games like Kerry and Mayo and Dublin and Donegal. Um, you know. They're still bad hurling played all yeah. over the country. There's <laughs> <laughs> just not. It's just hid from uh, the eyes of the general yeah, population. Who's going to make those improvements for the final, Morris? Who are you looking at for uh, victory? God, like where do you start? You know, um, oh yeah, it's 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 still impossible to call it. You know, like I think Richie Hogan, if his injury is an injury. serious, if it is an injury and, and he is in doubt, it it really will sway things in Tipperary's direction. If if he is not a hundred percent. And if he is 100%, you'd have to say Tipperary's forwards, can they improve? You know, you'd have to say, like, they shot the lights out yesterday. John O'Dwyer, what did he get? Five points in play. Shamie Callan, five points in play. Noel McGrath, four points in play. Bonnemar, one, 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 four, one more, another four points no, in play. No, four like, points in yeah. play. You know, Larry Corbett, the best we've seen of him in a couple yeah. of years. You know, it's like, where's the improvement in their forward line? Whereas you, you look at the reverse flip side and you'll say, Richie Power, yeah, got 2-1. Like brilliant, outstanding. TJ Reid, outstanding. But there's still there's an improvement up there. You know, I think there's more in Owen Larkin. Will Walter Walsh start the next day? You know, he he he's probably wasn't very impressive yesterday. And you're looking. Colin Fenley was Colin poor. Colin Fenley, you know, so by his, standards. by his own standards, Michael Fenley was you no. Know, look, Michael Fenley's not going to score you a whole pile most days. You know, but there's more improvement to be got in the, t- the Kilkenny forward line now. 
having to say that they scored what 322 yeah. <laughs> and, and I just named out three to four which didn't play well so like yeah. Yeah. I refuse to answer oh, you refuse to answer I refuse to answer because between, Brian Cody side you're feeling nothing about this <laughs> between now and then I have a football final I have a ladies football final and a camogie final all to worry about you're like, not going to give any headspace to this that is at least three three <laughs> three dog years in the future for me it's yeah. a good enough answer Maliki brilliant Morris thanks so much thanks Morris Andrew, that's the question that's going to be asked, answered tonight. Tonight. So now, come here tonight, tonight, into Wexford Park, and they just must produce the goods tonight. Tonight, their team is better set up tonight. Tonight. But they just, the bottom line is, Michael, they have to do tonight. Tonight. Now, I think Hawk have made a massive boo boo with our matchups. Massive boo boo. Tonight, 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 tonight. Ooh. Interviewing Brian Cody after a draw in All-Ireland Final could be the single most thankless task in mm. the Irish media. We've talked a bit about his quote there. Um, I don't know, well, it's at least as thankless as interviewing Martin O'Neill after any match at the moment, but that's something we leave for the football show, I think. Maybe a new approach needs to be taken with Cody here. Just lob in somebody to do some interviews who might really get a reaction. I'm talking maybe Louis Theroux. That'd be good. A needling over familiar style of questioning. Yeah. Well, we just... Follow ingenue. Yeah, we would probably have to, you know, have Louis through for six months following Brian Cody around <laughs> beforehand before he can really get to the nub of the matter or in a post-match interview. Maybe a really sunny, overly positive American comedian chat show host, a Jimmy Fallon figure. Yeah. Just to just get, just Laughing uproariously at anything that Brian Cody says. Ken, any ideas who might be able to do the job? Maybe someone I, more hard-hitting? I reminded of a, of a Letterman interview with Robert De Niro and uh, Dustin Hoffman, a joint interview. Have you ever seen it? No. Um, where De Niro was being extremely Brian Cody like you know uh, Letterman eventually is you know his answers are so short the Letterman's eventually like okay Bob it's five points uh, over to you Dustin <laughs> 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 um, I, don't, I don't know Jon Snow I think is good at those things I remember his interview fondly with Alex Ferguson yeah that was good to, <laughs> yeah that was very good catch Ferguson off guard explain what happened this is on the day of Ferguson's autobiography yeah and Jon Snow got a 10 minute interview with him for Channel 4 News and um uh, asked him some questions I don't think Ferguson was ex- really expecting. Stuff about, you know, the consistency of being a, a dyed-in-the-wool socialist who's also a knight of the realm and owns a £3 million sterling wine collection. Mm. I thought this interview was about how great I am. <laughs> um, that was basically Alex Ferguson's reaction. I wanted to say, well done, John, at the end of this interview, but I just yeah. can't do it. No, You're not getting a well done, John. How about that? <laughs> Are you, are you going to sleep tonight, John? It's fun. I know people don't want to sit here and listen to us talking about journalists being denied interviews t- for too long, but it is interesting that they're straight on the bus, Kilkenny, not even one post-match interview. Uh, now, it's not as, as though Tipper... Well, the uh, match isn't over. Yeah, I know. How and can you give it, a post-match interview at halftime? It's not as though Tipper going around, as far as I know, giving a load of interviews today or anything like that, but they did do the obligatory post-match stuff. Mm. Uh, so, t- Kilkenny already in lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it is kind of annoying and again it's like it's maybe it's only annoying to us and maybe it's only annoying I'm to not even sure if it's too. annoying but I think it is an interest it's already I, I, maybe I'm reading too much into this Murph but the build up starts from the second the final whistle goes Brian Cody mm, not especially warm in his handshake with Eamon O'Shea he wasn't Didn't hanging around for looking a chat at him when he was when he was we could uh, be look, looking too much into that one I'm sure we, I'm almost certain we are but Brian Cody's game face is very much on for the next three weeks and so is Eamon O'Shea's I'm sure at this stage yeah yeah I would uh, yeah I mean I, I, it, you would think that there would be, you know, 45 minutes where Brian Cody could, you know, relax and say, wow, that was a good game. <laughs> but that's, 
That's not who we're dealing with. Time for a brand new movie review slot with Ken Ernie. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Bakery, ooh, we got involved in a logistics company in Waterford, partly involved in a furniture shop in Athlone. We leased a pub in, in Tralee. John Delaney could run anything. Ah, OK. Yeah, well, when he comes up, then give me a shout. Well, yeah, I'm off to see the Queen tomorrow, too. Don't forget that. Oh, dear, oh, dear. John the Baptist. Yes, I'm John the Baptist. Rated PG. It's a pioneering entry in the infant genre of football administrator biographical film. Uh, unfolding on a sweeping canvas ranging from the, the table restaurant in Portobello to an office suite at Abbottstown, this tour de force is as smart as it is sexy, as substantive as it is stylish. Director Barry Egan's camera penetrates deep into the core of Europe's most dynamic sports politician. The movie slips off the suit jacket of success, unbuttons the shirt of lonely excellence and peels back the vest of executive vigour to reveal the tight-toned abs of the real human being beneath. Two thumbs up, or definitely a two-fingered salute of some kind. <laughs> I think we'll have to have a little bit more on that. Yeah, that's that good. I mean, I, like, I want to watch it. You know, the, the thing about any movie review is, you know, would you like to watch that movie after after hearing the review? Yeah, I'm I'm sold. Carl Frampton is Ireland's newest world champion, the IBF super bantamweight champ after beating Kiko Martinez in a unanimous points decision in Belfast. Uh, this is on Saturday night, an outdoor event in the Titanic Quarter in the city. Andy Lee was there working on the fight for Box Nation, and he's now here in studio. Andy, how are you? Very well. Yeah. How did you enjoy the occasion? Um, it was an it was one of the, like it was a special night. Um, one of those like sporting occasion. Well, like any great victory in sport is is a kind of a special occasion. But that was um, you could just sense it. I arrived in Belfast early Saturday morning, and uh, you know I was walking around the town, and, and people were all buzzing for the fight. You know, asking, coming up and asking, what did you think? Like the, everybody in town was aware that there was a fight going on, and it seemed like everyone was there for the fight. So yeah, it was a great occasion, and it was a purpose-built stadium, outdoor arena type thing uh, in the Titanic quarter um, you know you could see the Titanic museum and the two cranes that were in sight you know you could see them from there that built the Titanic so it was, it was a special a special special night it's really interesting the way you describe it there there aren't that many days that many sporting events where a whole city knows about it you arrived there and this is the thing that everyone's talking about is the, is the big fight that night yeah and uh, you could really just get a sense sense of that like walking around into the shops and that and everything Everyone had an opinion, and everyone like a lot of them thought that Carl Frampton would blow him away because he'd beaten him, you know, in February 2013. They they met before, and Frampton won knife round stoppage. But since then, Kiko Martinez went on to win a world title. In the next next one or two fights, he won a world title, and he defended it twice. So there was a considerable improvement by him, and Frampton had. Two two victories since then, and one fight was cancelled due to an injury. So, you could say that Kiko was the more improved fighter since the since the first meeting. So there was still some questions to be answered there. It wasn't a guaranteed victory. I read some of what Frampton was saying in the build-up to the fight, and he seemed just a little concerned that people thought it would be easy for him because of that. As you say, because he had beaten him the last time, it's maybe a strange mindset for a fighter to go to go in with. Everyone's expecting me to do this. I've beaten him before. He's the one who's gone on to win a world title. Mm. But he seemed to deal with it really well. Yeah, and credit to him. He seems like I know him and um, outside the ring. And he just seems like a very level-headed guy, very intelligent, you know, smart, smart young guy. And he's fully aware of the position he's in. And like you said, it's unusual. And you can imagine the pressure that he was under as well. Not He's headlining the show. Um, he's, He's 
no, from his promotional, Barry McGuigan's Cyclones promotion, he's really the headline fighter. They've got some other fighters on the undercards, but they wouldn't. So if he loses, kind of the whole show is over kind of thing. So there's a considerable amount of pressure on him. And he, But he had shown that he could deal with it in his previous fights. But this might have been a different pressure because it was a world title fight. Um, regardless of the fact that he'd beaten Martinez, regardless of the fact that he'd headlined shows there in his hometown before and... Added, added to that this purpose built arena it was a big night as I said everyone knew the fight was going on the fact that it was a world title fight something that he had dreamed of himself for so long no matter who he was fighting or where it was it was always going to be a big pressured fight so he just seemed to take it in his stride and didn't let it you know it didn't seem to have any effect so credit to him yeah and that's such a strange pressure to have you know that it's you know if you're with one of the bigger boxing promoters the pressure is all on yourself mm-hmm. but if the whole as you say the, that whole cottage industry around him on top of the world title fight on top of the fact that Belfast is such a huge fight city not forgetting the whole idea of him being the new Barry McWigan in the sense of uh, bringing the communities together there's a lot going on there the guy mm-hmm. needs to be pretty level headed if he's dealing with all that yeah and it was like, yeah, what can you say? Similar to like when Bernard Dunn was fighting here in Dublin, um, that's the same kind of atmosphere and same kind of, uh, how would you say, fever he's creating up there. Mm. Uh, and similar when Bernard Dunn lost to Martinez, you know, strangely enough how things work out, mm. that the kind of the wheels kind of fell off the wagon kind of thing. And um, uh, I know, my like, strangely enough, that Brian Peters then started promoting me in Limerick, you know, and then while Bernard was away and had to rebuild, then I kind of benefited from that. And um, so, like like I said, if, if Frampton would have lost, then that would be the end of the show kind of thing. Or he would have to have a long road to rebuild again. So a lot of pressure, and he, he, he just you know passed it with flying colours. How impressive was the performance? Um, in, immensely impressive. Like, he showed, like, Kiko Martinez is a legitimate world-class operator. He's... He won the title and defended it twice away from home, beating world-ranked fighters in his defenses, and not not just beat him but stopped them. And then Carl Frampton went in there and just dominated him. Didn't win every round. I'd say three or four rounds Kiko won, but dropped him in the sixth round when things were looking a little bit shaky for him. Came back and dropped Kiko Martinez in the sixth round. Almost had him out of there. And even into the last round, clearly ahead on points. All he had to do was box move went for the stoppage as well and almost had him going in the last round too so um, if Kiko Martinez is world level uh, Cal Frampton is already a couple of levels ahead of him above him and how far he can go we'll see you know remains to be seen like in his division you have uh, Rigondo Guillermo Rigondo the Cuban who's, who's a legend in boxing is probably one of it's probably the best boxer in the world um, that would probably be a step too far at this stage and maybe he just doesn't need, he doesn't need to fight him anyway because Rigondo is not a big seller it doesn't bring much to the table and it's probably the hardest fight out there there's probably there's nobody probably in the world that can beat him at that at anywhere near that weight so if he, as long as he stays away from him which they will because there's no it doesn't make sense to fight him in any commercial way um I don't think he can, I think he can clean up the division maybe move up to the next one too really yeah that's yeah. pretty good stuff because Barry McGuigan's been talking big about him from the start and he has to mm. he's promoting him but he seems genuine even after the fight at the weekend McGuigan says look this guy's twice the fighter that I was sounds like you feel that he he is he, he, not only is he now a world champion he could be a great world champion yeah certainly and if they're smart with him you know if he doesn't get tied down with mandatories like having to fight the number one guy all the time he can, he can reign for a while and um, you know 
just crossing that line, becoming a world champion, he'll grow. He'll grow a lot from that as well. So yeah, he's got a big future. The future will that be in Belfast or away? Does a fighter come to a point of his career? I mean, you fought in a lot of um, hostile enough atmospheres. Does, is that what a fighter now has to do? Go away and do it away from home? I don't think. Does ne- I don't think it's necessary because he's he's bringing these guys to Belfast. There's not many places and not many fighters in the world who could sell sixteen thousand tickets to a fight, you know, with no no real undercard support, you know. Um, so why why should, they shouldn't have to, you know? Maybe take one fight in America, you know, or one or two fights, and then go like go back to Belfast. Um, but I don't think they they don't really have to, you know. Like yeah, you got to go on the road to prove yourself. It's, but you don't have to if you're selling That's tickets and you're and you got a TV contract and you're world champion. Let them come to you and have every advantage. What are your own plans, Andy? Um, I'm going to fight towards the end of the it was, There was a chance I could have fought in Miguel Cota, but it looks now that fight won't happen. Right. Which was disappointing. I was waiting on that. What happened there? Was it just the usual boxing? Um, well, I've, well, yeah, the usual boxing. Well, uh, I can, not to blow my own home, but I, I, they said I could quote saying that the Freddie Roach had set, turned me down because I'm too tall and hit too hard. Right. So... Um, I take it as a compliment and move on. I'm going to fight in November, towards the end of November. Um, Peter Quillen, who's the WBO champion, vacated his belt. Um, I'm number three ranked for that, so there's a chance I could fight Matt Karabov for the vacant title. Um, but if that doesn't happen due to whatever politics or whatever, yeah. I'll just look to get busy. I'm in the, I mean, I'm in the shake-up. I'm rated number two and three in most of the division, so it's only a matter of time before I fight for the world title again. All right, sounds good. Good to hear the Cotto's running scared anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Maybe he just wanted to have a nice holiday with his family, but <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully, if it doesn't happen now, it can happen again. Addy, great to talk to you as always. Yeah. Cheers, Cheers. Cheers. Mm. You remember my grandmother, no disrespect, when I used to get in trouble, she looked at me and said, hmm. And I knew a butt whooping was coming at the back. <laughs> I'm an alien. Think about it. Roy Jones is born. Jane 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 Tony is born. I ran Barkley is born. But I'm telling you right now, I'm an alien. Tell me why I'm not. Explain why I'm here. I'm an alien. I should have been on this game 15, maybe 20 years ago, man. And then that's why I said I'm an alien. I'm an alien. Tell me why I'm not. Explain why I'm here. I'm an alien. But I'm telling you right now, I'm an alien. Did Google it and get your own information? I'm an alien. He should be gone. I'm an alien. Google it. I'm an alien. Mm. I'm an alien. I'm an alien. I'm sure Andy would have rather actually gotten the fight with Miguel Cotto. And mm. I'm sure Andy himself will be world champion sooner rather than later, let's hope. But not a bad epitaph to a career whenever Andy does hang up the gloves I was too tall and punched too hard for Miguel Cotto according <laughs> to Freddie Roach I like that yeah it was like pretty good right. Ken what's coming up in second captain's football that's yeah <laughs> they have asked for that really well, you can laugh I'm, walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist but having said that I want to be like me well, we'll be talking about the Ireland matches, the, uh, the, uh, the whole Ireland experience um, on and off the field. 
um, which has been, uh, which has ranged from, you know, Aidan McGeady's uh, Stroke of Genius, as Martin O'Neill called it, to um, John Delaney's new film. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the other international football that's been happening on this uh, first ever UEFA week of football. Mm, they forgot about Saturday. Yeah, I, I woke know. up on Saturday thinking, oh, great, there's got to be some international football in this week of football. Yeah. <laughs> Alas, not this, not this Saturday. Well, it was Brazil against Colombia, I suppose. Neymar against uh, Zuniga. Uh, they embraced. Apparently Neymar has forgiven him. I thought Zuniga, I didn't see it, but did a lot of kicking again, though. Uh, well, Embrace and then continue to kick Neymar up and down the yeah, field. Leopard, his pride. Doesn't, leopard doesn't change his spots, you know. <laughs> All right, that's it for this show. You can get onto irishtimes.com forward slash podcast to listen to some of the other podcasts out there. Make sure to check out our new website while you're at it, secondcaptains.com. We'll talk to you a little bit later on. Thanks very much for listening to this show. Oh, more from, I should say, more from John the Baptist also in Second Captains Football. And into the land came a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not the light that God has given to the world, but came that he might bear witness to that light. This man was known as John the Baptist. I ran a bakery for a couple of years. Got involved in a logistics company in Waterford. I was partly involved in a furniture shop that loan from my dad as well. We leased the pub in, in Tralee. So I had a vending distribution company with a coffee distribution company. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.